Dawson, and this is episode number four of the Restoring Connections podcast. Point of these podcasts is to hopefully give you some great tools and um, some helpful thoughts and reflections about ways to navigate painful moments, frustrating moments in your closest relationships. It's usually your closest relationships that cause us the most pain. Um, and so the highs are high, the lows are low. And so, uh, yeah, hoping to give you some great tools as to how to navigate those times of pain and disconnection in such a way that actually builds the connection and, and deepens the connection. So you pass through that tough time and on the back of it, actually, you end up closer, you end up more connected than you even were before. So in this particular episode, we're talking about setting and resetting healthy expectations. Every relationship has got expectations. They might be healthy expectations or they might be unhealthy expectations depending on you know how good the communication has been. Um, but I really wanna dive into the, the proactivity around doing your bit on your half of the relationship to make sure that the expectations between you and this person are aligned well. I would define healthy expectation as an expectation that matches a commitment, right? So if I expect something from somebody and they're actually committed to that, boom, we've got ourselves a, he a healthy expectation. Um, you won't find a sort of a code on, you know, written somewhere about what are the right things to expect from somebody because every relationship is, is unique. Every relationship is dynamic and, and the relationships are, you know, um, relationships are changing, they're deepening, they're, you know, they're, they're fluid. And so what might be healthy um, as a set of expectations in one season might actually change in the next. So, so I think it's quite a dynamic process. It takes hard work, um, but it actually, it pays off when we put in the work to make sure that the expectations are aligned well. Okay, so I'm gonna be reading straight from my blog that I wrote on this a few months ago and probably just um, popping in a little bit of banter here and there, <clears throat> excuse me, as we go through. I once found myself in a painful situation involving a group that I was leading with my wife, Cora. One of the people involved in the group, who's a close friend of mine, was feeling rejected by me and his first attempt at opening up to me about what he was feeling really wasn't pretty. The initial interaction between us left me feeling quite hurt. I struggled initially to understand what was actually causing his pain, um, probably mostly because I wasn't listening very well. I was thinking more about whether or not I had done something wrong, which I'm still learning to not do. That's still kind of the go-to when someone challenges me about something. I go straight in my mind to, did I do something wrong or did I not? Which I've learned the hard way is really unhelpful. What really matters in that moment is listening, understanding what this person is actually trying to communicate. What did I do and how did it impact them? <clears throat> the eagle landed when I finally got a clear signal, probably because I started listening better, that he was telling me that he needed to feel like he was more important to me than the other members of the group. His expectation was that I would behave in a way that would meet this need, and he was feeling disappointed that this hadn't been the case thus far. Some people might read that and determine his expectation of me was inappropriate, stemming from an unhealthy position of heart. But who are we to judge that? The real issue isn't whether or not it was an appropriate expectation on his part, 
The real issue is actually simply whether or not it's a need that I had agreed to meet or had given the impression that I was committed to meet. Within a particular set of circumstances and culture, such an expectation on his part might be totally appropriate and quite natural. If someone feels confident enough to tell me that they need me to wear pink socks every day, I say, more power to them. I'm at complete liberty as to whether or not I will agree to meet that need. I don't have anything to gain by judging this person regarding whether or not that need is appropriate. All I need to know and to express is whether or not it's a need that I can commit to meeting. I learned a valuable lesson through this experience. I wanted to dismiss the expectation, extend grace, and just move on. But after lots of prayer and lots of really helpful conversations with Cora, um, she definitely helps me see my blind spots, um, I went into a different direction. Firstly, I needed to kindly and without judgment let him know that he was not actually more important to me than the other members of the group. So what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that there's truth in the connection. I'm making sure that we were on a good foundation of truth. And sometimes the truth is hard. Um, and that was a tough truth. The simple truth that I was not actually committed to meeting this need that he expressed. It was a painful truth, but he accepted it and he, I believe, appreciated the clarity. Secondly, just as importantly, maybe even more importantly, I took some time to reflect back on how I may have contributed to the issue between us. After lots of prayer and again, lots of conversations with Cora um, and another trusted mentor of mine at the time, and reflecting back on those early conversations as we were forming the group, I could see how my enthusiasm, I'm a number seven on the Enneagram, if you, uh, <clears throat> if you are familiar with Enneagram, which is like, what is it called? The enthusiast or something like that. Um, my enthusiasm for things at the front end can, um, you know, what's important, like at the front end of a connection, I'm usually really thinking about uh, keeping things pumping, keeping things exciting, and, and I don't always push for the clarity you know, uh, I don't always push for the clarity and the detail, but man, have I learned uh, through this process and through others how honoring and it is towards other people, how helpful it can be to actually take the time to make sure that the expectations are aligned properly. After lots of re reflection, I could see how my enthusiasm, along with the lack of clarity, had created space for misaligned expectations between us. I could see my part in what had uh, transpired transpired between us. Truthfully, the conflict was very painful for me. It turned into quite a mess and affected a lot of people that I really care about, including my own family. Um, side note, um, you know, this, my connection with this person has been um, totally healed and resolved, um, you know, so this is a wonderful story of restoration. But I'm going back to the moment here, though. In the, in the moment, it was very tempting to blame shift and wallow in self-pity about the whole thing. I've learned the hard way that you can go down the self-pity, blame-shifting track, or you can take responsibility for your half, which is tough to do because it's uncomfortable, at least half, maybe even more than half, of the issue and actually learn something, but you can't do both. If you do the blame-shifting thing and absolve yourself of any responsibility, that might help you feel some degree of peace in the moment, but um, just be aware, you're definitely not gonna grow. You're not gonna learn anything if you go down that track. If you wanna learn, if you wanna grow, you're gonna have to 
choose that um, that tough path of taking responsibility. Um, you know, even though what you can really see is where this person was just you know totally in the wrong, and that's that because that's what we see clearly. Um, but if we can move past that, take responsibility for your half, then you're probably going to grow. You'll have to choose what's more important to you: the growth of your capacity to love or your desire to be right. Um, and if you're anything like me, the desire to be right can be very strong. So you got to decide what's more important for helping the people that I journey with closely to have a good understanding as to what to expect from me. I want to make sure that I've done my bit uh, to ensure that this person has expectations of me that are aligned to what I'm actually committed to. I don't just leave it up to chance or chemistry. I want to be proactive about that. Coincidentally, I disappoint people a lot less than I used to. I spend a lot less time running in circles trying to meet everyone's needs and a lot more time communicating with people what my needs are and making a safe space for them to share their needs with me as well. Which in my life looks like more tough conversations, which are you know those proactive exchanges of truth, and a lot less conflict and a lot more peace. More tough conversations, less conflict, a lot more peace. Love it. So how can two people who are finding themselves drawn towards each other in friendship, partnership, romantic love, etc., ensure that their expectations of each other are aligned to their actual commitments to each other and then keep those expectations aligned properly as the relationship develops so that trust can just grow and grow and grow. I want to look at three different ways that I've observed that people end up with misaligned expectations and how we can avoid these things. Okay, number one is a lack of communication at the front end. All of us will naturally approach relationships with a lean either towards optimism or towards caution. If you lean towards optimism, you're going to be thinking, this person is awesome. They're probably going to make me feel great about myself. Uh, if you lean towards caution, you're probably thinking, this person is probably going to fail me at some point. Um, and neither is right or wrong. It's just, uh, it's, just it's, it's who you are. It depends on your personality, your culture, your past experiences. Either way. To establish healthy expectations within your long-term important relationships, whichever way you lean on that scale, you are going to need to have honest conversations rather than depending on your own intuition. There's just no way around it. It's awkward. It can be awkward to ask the tough conversation, to the tough questions at the front end of a relationship about what a person is really expecting. So we usually don't. It's usually even tougher to express our own needs if we ever even have a clue as to what those needs are. So most of us usually leave it to chance and hope that chemistry on its own will keep us on track, but it won't. The way I would define chemistry in a relational sense is essentially the ability for two people to meet each other's needs with minimal explicit communication around how to do so. It's a great starting point for new relationships. Um, and when it's flowing, it's wonderful. But there are not two people on this planet who can rely solely on chemistry to sustain trust between them. It might take 10 days or it might take 10 years, but eventually these two people are going to disappoint each other. When that happens, love can override the disappointment as it should and produce forgiveness, but it cannot on its own reestablish trust. The reestablishing of trust will invariably require forgiveness followed by honest communication, a reestablishing of healthy expectations, and follow-through. Because that's what builds trust. When we make promises, 
we have expectations and then those promises, those expectations are fulfilled. That's what builds trust. It's not more complicated than that. Okay, number two pitfall that we want to avoid is a lack of connection in the middle when things get a little bit crunchy. You know the feeling when a person you've really been enjoying suddenly does something that irritates you or hurts you. I have actually grown to kind of love this moment. I know it's a bit weird. I'm naturally a very non-confrontational person. When Cora told me two weeks after we started dating that she was actually looking forward to our first conflict, I went green and didn't speak to her for like three hours. We were in the departure lounge of the, uh, you know, about to jump on a plane. We had this conversation. I go green and then we're sitting next to each other on the airplane for three hours and I don't even want to talk. So funnily enough, voila, this conversation actually produced our first conflict. I have changed a lot since then. I'm still not a naturally confrontational person, but I have developed the capacity and the desire to fight for a relationship by dealing with the truth. Instead of just letting trust and the connection slip away through passivity, which is something I used to do often, there's no such thing as intimacy without truth. You can have peace without truth. You can have a cooperative relationship without truth, but there's no such thing as intimacy without truth. And there's no such thing as love that isn't fought for. So now I see the first points of discomfort in a relationship as the doorway to discovering how much truth, how much intimacy can this relationship actually handle. These days, I'm intentional about building relationships with people who share my value for truth in the connection. These are people who aren't afraid to expose what they're feeling and what they need in their relationship with me. These are relationships I see as being built to last. And that is what really gets me excited. I want relationships that are able to go the distance. Someone telling me what they are feeling and what they need really doesn't scare me anymore. Suffice it to say, for now, that if the cause of frustration, irritation, pain, etc., that a person is feeling in relationship doesn't get identified and dealt with in a healthy way, the crack in the foundation is gonna grow and grow and eventually turn into a divide that leaves at least one of the two people wanting to get the heck away from the other person. Honest conversations need to happen when the first points of irritation pop up. We gotta deal with it. Okay, number three is negative judgments. Another person's needs can sometimes seem odd at best, or downright evil or ridiculous at worst. I'm sure you've found yourself at times thinking, oh, he's just doing that for attention, or she just needs to feel in control of everything all the time. At the front end of forming new relationships, there isn't much cause for judgment um, because we're not as impacted by them yet. If they're not yet at the core of our world, then you know we don't. we're not as tempted to form judgments because we're not as impacted by their quirks. Uh, but the closer you get to someone, the more personally impacted you are by their flaws, um, by those, those behaviors that you see as being a little odd, you know, a little off. As you discover more about their points of immaturity, your mind will naturally reach for understanding as to why they are behaving in the way that they are. If you're not careful, that reach can turn into negative judgments about their motives, even if your judgment is spot on. You have nothing to gain from being right about the evil intent inside of another person's heart. Think about that for a moment. Even if your judgment is, is absolutely spot on, which you have to realize through the, you know, um, as you journey with people that 
that sometimes you're not right. You might consider yourself a very intuitive person, but you're not gonna always get it right. But even if you do get it right, I wanna ask the question, what do you have to gain from being right, from having a judgmental opinion about that person's motive? You can honor your own heart by fully acknowledging the pain and frustration that the person's behavior is causing you, um, and at the same time, honor them by remaining innocent of a negative opinion about the motive behind their actions. And it's doing unto them exactly what you'd hope that they would be doing to you. Uh, in his letter to his friends uh, in the city of Corinth, the Apostle Paul refers to this as assuming the highest of each other. I love the word assuming in that phrase because it necessarily implies that it's something you don't know. You can't actually know. The confronting truth is that we can't even fully know the motives of our own hearts, much less those of someone else, no matter how well we know them. The upshot is that this reality creates the perfect opportunity for us to be able to assume the highest of each other's motives, even when we're frustrated and in pain, which is tough. Have you ever been told by someone why you did something that hurt them? Oh, you do this all the time because you ta 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 and they you know, tell you about how much you you know, some terrible motive in your heart about how selfish you are or about how prideful you are or about you only care about yourself. I hope that you haven't experienced this, but you probably haven't, but you probably have. Let's make sure we don't dish out that kind of communication to the people we love, even if the judgment is technically correct. Assuming the worst of someone's motive will always damage the connection. And a shout out to all the parents out there. I really wanna encourage you with this one too that you have nothing to gain from forming a judgmental belief about what's inside of the heart of your child. But you, inversely, you have a lot to gain um, by even when your child is causing you pain, even when they're do, doing something that is totally off the wall, you can hold your boundaries, you can exchange truth with them about how their actions are affecting you without forming a negative judgmental opinion about their heart. What you might find if you're not careful is if you communicate to your child over and over and over again that there is something wrong, that there is something evil inside of their heart, in, in their motive, the worst thing that can possibly happen is that they actually end up believing you and they spend their entire life believing that they are seriously jacked up on the inside um, and then they never learn to trust their own heart. So let's make sure that we're not doing that with our kids. In summary, take responsibility for making sure that the people around you have expectations of you that line up with what you're actually committed to giving them and vice versa. Take the time to get clarity on what your needs are in your important relationships. Then initiate the honest conversations that need to be had in order to give them the best possible shot at understanding and actually meeting those needs. When things get messy, don't pretend you're not feeling what you're feeling and don't run away. Initiate the tough conversations. Keep your heart clear of judgment, and that takes work. Lean into truth with kindness. All right, friend, that's the end of episode four on setting and resetting healthy expectations. Please feel free to add some comments, your own thoughts. Um, you know, I'm totally open to any of the things I've raised being challenged as well. Uh, bring it on, and I hope that you found that helpful.